have the sermon notes uh, there as well. Uh, we'll be in Matthew uh, fourth chapter, uh, verses one through eleven. I'll be reading again from the New uh, Living Translation. Just want to lift up one more verse out of this text, uh, as we had earlier for our time of meditation and scripture reading. Those who are able to stand and honor the word of God, you're welcome to stand. Welcome to do so. Uh, those who are unable, it's all right. Uh, for those who are born, that's why many are still just an honoring of reading of God's uh, word. I'm going to lift up uh, at verse, starting there, chapter 4, at verse 2. Uh, the word of God says, New Living Translation says, For forty days and forty nights he fasted, and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them self-control. Amen. Those who may be new, help them out. Let them know. Make sure they're awake. Tell the other neighbor. Tell the mother side. Tell them self-control. Amen. Amen. Here we are dealing with self-control. As some of you are looking at this familiar passage, Matthew 4th chapter, or you can look in Luke, you see it, and Mark has a small paragraph talking about Jesus being uh, being tested in the wilderness after he was there fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And, and passages got done reading about how he tempted them to turn the stones into bread. And he says that man does not live on bread alone, but of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he had the nerve to say self-control. Well, those who not understand that we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so far, the fruit of the Spirit, we covered love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And looking at self-control, I said, what better text to look at the Son of God showing self-control being tested in the wilderness? When you think about self-control, anybody familiar with self-control? As some, some people, we try to have self-control at the beginning of the new year. Am I right about it? At the beginning of the new year, we decided that, all right, I'm going to be in better control this year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach my diet. I, I'm going to make sure I eat healthy. I'm, I'm going to renew my, my membership to the exercise club. And, you know, you, know, you know, at the beginning of the year, most health clubs, that's when they get all their, all their money. They don't see them for the rest of the year. But they get all the money at the beginning. Everybody renews their, renew their membership and wants to come out. They're excited. They're working out. And then by the end of January, they're back to the regular schedule. Self-control. Self-control is defined as the ability to control oneself, in particular one's emotions and desires, or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Self-control is also definitely, as the Bible points out, is a virtue of one who masters his or her desire and passions, especially their sensual appetites. That's why we look. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Think about how a fruit of the Spirit opens up with love and ends with self-control. So, self-control, here we are. 
Self-control is basically what Christ has called us to do, to be his disciples. Anybody claim to be a disciple of Christ? All right. If you claim to be a disciple of Christ, then you know the qualifications, right? If any man wants to be my disciple, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross, and what? Father, after all right, we got some disciples in the house. So being a disciple means I got to have some self-control. I must learn how to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow after Christ. I have to learn how to say no. Some of us remember the great drug, drug push, right? Nancy Reagan, just say no. And, and, and oftentimes in our lives, we realize there's some issues in our lives that we, learn, we have to learn how to just say no, that I'm not going to be able to do it. Here it is in self-control. Look at this text. Jesus has been in the wilderness how long? Forty days. That's a symbolic number there because 40 days suggests to us a time of testing. It suggests to us a time of preparation. You can look at many of the people in the Bible and how they had to deal with 40 days. Uh, Moses was in the wilderness 40 days before God called him after 40 years spending in time in Egypt growing up. Then he spent 40 years in the wilderness again with the stiff-necked, hard-necked people. And he said, God, why would you give me this people? 40 years is showing you the seasons of his life. But yet even that, he spent 40 days on the top of the mountain when God was giving him the instruction. And God, I wish I could see God's finger inscribing words unto stony tablets to give to Moses. Just for Moses to get mad and to break them when he saw the people acting a fool. Then he goes right back on the mountain. And God again writes his finger on the tablets. Forty days. Forty days represent a time of, of testing, a time of preparation. And here it is, Jesus, after he is baptized. Then it it says, what took him into the wilderness? The spirit led him into the wilderness. Now, we know the ending of the story, but yet we but yet in the middle of our times and our lives, we forget the ending. I want to encourage somebody, Rook, if you miss anything else that I say this morning, understand this, that if you are trusting in the Lord and he is leading you somewhere, he will not lead you anywhere. He can't take you out. The Spirit led him into the wilderness, into a time of temptation, in a time of trial. And yet here it is that it says he was fasting, how long? Forty days. And the enemy has taken his opportunity to take advantage. I want you to understand that why we need to have self-control, because by ourselves we are out of control. Uh, Do you understand that if you are in control, that means you are out of control? Let me help you out what I'm talking about. If God is in control, that means you are not in control. But if you are in control, you're saying what? God is not in control. And so if you are in control and God is not in control, that means you are out of control. I still didn't get somebody. Let me help you out. You've been driving your car in the snow and in the ice. And so far, everything's going okay. You feel in control. But as soon as you hit that patch of black ice or you hit some ice and you find out you have your hand on the steering wheel, Your foot is on the gas, but the car is not under control. Now you feel what? Out of control. No matter how much you thought you had things in control, you found you are out of control. Then you found out that who was in control. You said, Lord, help me. (laughs) Then when the car steadied itself, you found out, all right, God is in control. 
And so here I want you to understand in our lives that there's times in our lives that we want to be in control, and the times we are in control, the times we are truly out of control, but the times we let God have control is a time we find peace and, and comfort and understanding. Here it is, Jesus being controlled under, under the influence of the Spirit is taken into the wilderness. Now he's in a time of flesh or weakness because he has not eaten, so therefore he, may, he doesn't have enough protein and strength. And anybody ever fasted? before anybody fasted before isn't it amazing how when you fast food you don't like become tasty i said the food you don't like you know you, you've been fast you're doing well and you and, and all of a sudden you're sitting down maybe in the cafeteria in the break room and somebody breaks up things you normally don't eat but all of a sudden your mouth starts well i said that's so enough look good you, you want to eat it because you want to have so something to go into your stomach because the flesh desires it. It needs it. But yet you are learning to say no. You are practicing discipline. You're sowing self-control. They just say, no, Lord, I won't eat. But here comes Satan. If you are truly the son of God. You see the if there, right? So in a sense of doubt, like if you really say who you say you are, prove it to me. Turn these stones into bread. Now, now, now think about this for a moment. I, I like this because it shows that yet if you are the son of God, I understand you are sovereign and you have all things under control and you can speak things and they should change. That's just amazing by itself that the, that the enemy understood the power of God so you can speak to these stones and turn them into bread. You don't just walk up to anybody and say, hey, I'm hungry. Can you turn this into bread? He understood that if you are who you say you are, you can do some miraculous things. But yet, look how Jesus comes back to him with the scripture. The scripture you can find, all these verses that Jesus responds back to Satan in the scripture is found in Deuteronomy 6 chapter. And, and you can look into, and so Jesus goes into him and says, no, 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 no. You must, you must, you must believe in the Lord. Man does not live what on bread alone, but from the word of God. The word of God is speaking word to Satan. To let them know you're trying to tempt to my flesh or weakness because, yes, I'm hungry. Yes, that, that, that bread would taste good, but yet I cannot fall short to you. Many times in our lives, we fall short because we give in to our weakness. We can, we can make rationalization. We can make justifications. And what I, don't, what I call justification, I call just a lying. Some of y'all quiet them. That's all right. Here's, here's how we do just a lie. For example, somebody hits you or steps on your foot or cuts you off. All of a sudden, you are justifying why you curse them out. And now your justification, you're basically lying because you know it's wrong, but it felt good to do so because you had a reason to do so. We can make up any time. So Jesus could have said, you're right, I'm hungry. Time is to eat. I can turn this into, so it's just for me to do so. But he says, no, but it is not right in the sight of God. So I am fasting, so I must complete my fast. And I realize I don't survive on bread alone, but on the word of God. Has anybody understood that you can't just go what other people say, what other people do, but by what the word of God says? You can do a quick survey, open up the newspaper, read any book that is outside of the word of God inside that they can tell you all kinds of things and why it's right and how it's right and how it will work out right. But once you understand that there's a Bible that opens up in Genesis, closed with revelations, but in between tells you that there's going to be a true judge. And he judges what is right and what is wrong, not us. 
And so here it is. He comes to him and says, you know what? I, 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 I cannot. I cannot trust you because I don't trust you because I trust what comes from the word of God. And so we see that the man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the first part of self-control, if you didn't grab it, is that you must learn how to obey God's word. Self-control comes from obeying God's word. And one, one quote we know from obedience, we might hear this many times, but do not know where it came from, but we like it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, some of us heard that before. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice. This came from when, Sam, when Samuel told Saul, wait for me to come and I will make a sacrifice unto the Lord. And also he told him to, to kill everything that is there. Saul was, was waiting for, for, for Samuel, but while he was waiting, he, he was still being influenced by the people. But even before that, he did not do everything what God called him to do. And he let the king live. He let the fatted and the calves live. And, and he did everything that God told him not to do. Because God said, destroy everything is devout unto me. Saul is waiting. He, Samuel does not show up, so he makes the sacrifice. And when Samuel gets this, it's amazing how, it's amazing how God shows up just when we're in the midst of trouble. All the time he's waiting, he, he wasn't all the way in trouble. Now he's all the way in trouble because it now can't, he's going to make a sacrifice. He's not completed his task. And that's when Samuel tells him, obedience is better than sacrifice. In our times and our lives that we may sacrifice this thing, we can make up for our lack of obedience. I'll pay more. I'll run more. That's why, you know, we cheat on our diet. I'll make it up later. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We must learn to obey God for who he is and what he has called us to do. Because when we obey him, tell your neighbor, you learn how to trust him. Which is the second part that Jesus shows us here in this text. Look what the enemy does to him now. The enemy take now commands him to say, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift, up your, lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, now that the Son of God has used Scripture on the devil, he's trying to use Scripture back to him. Now, now you have the enemy using Psalm, but we find in our, in our Psalms 91, verses 11 to 12, but yet he does not use it in context. The devil misquotes Psalm 91, 11, and 12 and uses it out of context. This, the psalm, if you read the psalm in its totality, it points to the, how one must trust the Lord and how when you trust the Lord, you find out he will defend you because you trust in him. That's why we, we like that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of? We understand because the Lord is my shepherd, I Shall not want. We understand because of who he is and our trust in him, he protects us. Here it is. Satan tells him, go ahead and just throw yourself off and let God take care of you. That's a lie. That's many times in our lives. That's a lie that we just go put ourselves in trouble and say, now God bail me out. We're not really trusting the Lord. We're trusting our own instinct. We're trusting our own issue that we make mess and say, God bless this mess. Not understanding that sometimes God may not bless the mess. You're going to have to get yourself out that mess. And sometimes what we don't really understand that sometimes some things just don't get out. There's issues in our lives that we are suffering from because the sins we have done, those are the consequences. I, I want you to understand, yeah, yes, he'll cleanse us and make us white as snow, but does not mean you will not suffer the consequences for your disobedience. How many here got scabs and scrapes just from doing stuff as a child that you know you shouldn't have done, but you look back and say, I'm so glad he kept me. 
Because when we do things we should not have done, I, 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 got, a, I got a mark on my lip. And some of y'all might be able to see because I got a big lip. I got a mark on my lip that happened from me acting a fool. Because my second grade teacher tells us every time lining up at Northmore to not jump over that little front stoop in front of the door. But I'm so cool and fresh that can't nobody stop me. So I'm running over, jumping over all the time. And then one day I jumped over, bam, hit my face flat on the ground. Busted my lip wide open. I'm in there crying, getting ice on my lip. My second grade teacher come but with no symbol. told me, I did not tell you not to jump over there. And from that, I got a big freckle that came right there on my lip. Just remind me every time, like, yeah, you need to listen, boy. And so we get scars, we get marks in our lives that happen from us being disobedient. We hear, we move on, but remember, we, we can have consequences that will follow us. Here it is. The enemy's trying to tell them, go ahead and just jump off. I want you to understand there's sometimes in our lives that we jump off, but we hurt ourselves and we will ask, where was God? The problem was, where was God before you jumped? The enemy, under, the enemy understood how he can te- push you out, but Christ understood the truth, understanding the text that I trust the Lord. And so what did, what did he reply, to, reply back to him? He says this, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, this comes from how that in Massa... Exodus 17, chapter verse 7, they tested the Lord when they asked Moses for water to see if God was really there. And now, this is interesting when I look at this test because this is also the enemy testing, is God really here? If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, he's testing, is God, if God's really here, then let God show himself. How many times has it been in your life that you wanted God to show himself in your life when you wanted it? Anybody been there before? Right when I want, not, not late. Now, this is the time, right now. And yet, how often times, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can tell the truth. I, I, I've been, I felt I was let down by God because he didn't show what I asked him to show up. So I get mad at God, like, God, you didn't do what I asked you to do. And then I start talking even more out loud. So y'all look at me funny. That sounds kind of outrageous. You're right. It is outrageous. That's how we sound. We sound as if we are in control and we could tell God what to do and when to do and how he ought to do it. Now understand he's sovereign. He's God all by himself and he does what pleases him. And so as I was talking out loud, you saw me and heard me say, that sounds kind of stupid to talk to God. That's how stupid I sound. And when we humble ourselves and find out, okay, God, how do I trust you and not test you, but trust you to be who you say you're going to be? And so when Jesus pointed out to him that you did not test the Lord your God, he's pointing out to him that, look here, I believe in him. Because we understand without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe who he is and earnestly seek after him. So self-control means that I obey him. Self-control means I trust him. Why do I have to trust him? I have to trust him that he knows what's best for me. Even when I don't know what's best for myself. Let me help some of you out. How many of you have been going to the doctor and you know what's best for you because you know what you like to eat, you know what you like to drink, you know all the things you like to do. But when you go to the doctor, he says, do you do this, do you do that? You need to stop. They say, wait a minute, what are you talking about, doctor? I've been doing this all my life. It's been good to me. The doctor said, no, it's killing you. The doctor tells you what is hurting you, but we have to make the decision, will I obey the doctor or will I sacrifice my life? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So when you learn to the doctor, how many times we've seen this in, in the medical field shows you that those who have suffered a heart attack early in life live longer because why? They change their habits. 
they listen to the doctor and they cut out the things that cause for high blood pressure and hypertension. Those who have it later in life live shorter because why? They realize, I want to live. How many times in our lives have we found out that we got in trouble, we got an issue, and we realize that God has saved us and gave us another chance? Then we say, Lord, how can I take advantage of this chance and give it to you? We have to trust him. We have to say, okay, Lord, it's, it's better for me to turn the other cheek. It's better for me to bless and curse not. It's better to build up and not tear down. It's better to forgive than to hold grudges. It's better to, to, to be nice and pursue vengeance. These are the things the word teaches that we have to trust him because in time, in true reality, think about it, how God is telling you to forgive somebody who's being mean to you every time you see them. You, you're pretty thinking like, God, you got this wrong, right? Because I'm being nice to them, but they're still being mean to me. Shouldn't something be happening? I want you to real quick to understand. God is working on you. Don't worry about how he's working on somebody else. Because you may not want the same treatment. Think about how some people, you look at them like, how'd you get that? And they tell you, you say, no, that's too much for me. <laughs> You don't know what God is working on their heart, but you know what he's working on your heart. So let God work on you. Trust him and follow him. So when you are realizing that you're not testing, you realize that God can do amazing things. And you find out that it's possible to serve him by faith. So not only will you obey him, not only will you trust him, you will worship him. You see the, you see the third test. Look what he does to him. He says, I will, he takes him to the higher place. I will give you all this. Now, this is me reading this again. Now, think it. This is the creator of all things. All right? Creators of the heavens and the earth. Creator of the earth. And he's going to say, I'm going to give you the earth. I'm, I'm looking at that like, man, the, the enemy is so dumb. But I say, wait a minute, how am I so gullible? The enemy is giving stuff to us that does not belong to him and does not belong to us, but we think it's ours. Uh, uh, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you this. Look closely in this text. The enemy tells two things to him. He says you need to bow down. It means you need to put me prostrate and get low. And then also the word worship, that's what the word mean, the worship means. It means to get low, to bow down. So there's a double emphasis here that Satan says, I want you to surrender, submit, and revere me, and then I'll give you all these things. Now, looking at this text, I, 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 I grab something that, that I, I, in my own life I've seen God do, that there's times in my life that I have not bowed down, I have not worshipped him, but yet he's still giving me great things. And I look at it and say, that's nothing but the grace of God. Because I have stuff in my life I do not deserve, and yet there's still more things God wants to give us when we surrender to him. That's why we like those parables. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over, for over a few things or many things, right? Come in, I'll give you what? More. But here it is. The enemy is saying this, that, that even what I have not to give you, I'm going to promise to give you. But first, you have to put me before God. Jesus understood again. He comes back to him and says this, that, no, you must worship the Lord your God only. This is again in Deuteronomy. If you go to Deuteronomy 6, chapter, verse 4, you, where we find the Shema, it says that, Hear you, O Israel, the Lord your Lord your God is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, with all your strength. 
And you might be familiar with that when one of them came up to Jesus, which one's the greatest commandment? He said, this is the greatest commandment. And then he asked and said, love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. But you understand the main principle in serving and honoring God, you must make him number one. Help me preach to your neighbor. Tell him, make God number one. That when you make God number one, it's amazing that you look to serve him. You look to please him. You look to worship him. And you're looking to worship him. Guess what? That means you trust him. That means you will obey him. That means you will do what he's called you to do. But when you do not worship him, then you're looking for other things. And here's the problem with self-control in our lives. The reason why many of us have lacked self-control in our lives, we don't know what we want. We don't know if we want to hang with the Joneses. You know the Joneses. Anybody know the Joneses? You know the Joneses always have the latest car, has the latest fashion, have the latest technology, have the latest TV. They go on the best trips. You know, the Joneses, man. Anybody know the Joneses, man? The, the Joneses have it all together, man. Every time I see the Joneses, I want what the Joneses have, and I ask them where they got it from so I can go look just like the Joneses. Now, knowing that the Joneses are going to have me in debt to my eyeballs, but I'm going to look good. When we understand that I don't have to live to satisfy myself or please other people. Another time some people live this, that they don't live to satisfy themselves. They live just to get compliments. You can, you can go on social media. You can find these people. Where they, where some, I'm going to give you some, 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 some urban vernacular. Anybody heard of thirst traps? Or heard of people being thirsty? All right, so I, I got this young folk with me. They know what they're talking about. What this means when somebody's thirsty, not necessarily that they want something to drink, is that they want some attention. And then thirst traps is when they put their posts on there and making all kind of faces and positions so that everybody else will come by and check their posts. And so the more people check their posts, it means the more likes, the more attention they get, then they can brag about, say, how popular I am. I got a thousand likes today. I just put it up in one minute. Thirst traps. So they put that out there because they just want to know that I'm appreciated, I'm accepted. But studies also show that there's a lot of people that are suffering depression, and many people are getting more depressed, those who stay on Facebook liking other people's posts, which I had their lives. Here it is that in our lives that so many times that we are trying to get attention because we lack attention, but still never satisfied with the attention we get. Thirsty. But here it is. Do you know that God loves you? And no matter what you do does not make him love you less or love you more. He loves you the same. How do I know he loves you the same? And you probably think, you don't know what I've done in your life. You're right, I do not know what you've done in your life, but I know what he has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Was there a qualification there? For God so loved you for waking up in the morning. God so loves you for being the best giver at your church. God so loves you because you're the best Sunday school teacher. God so loves you because you're the best worship leader. No, for God so loved the world. And so when we trust him, when we obey him, we worship him. We worship for who he is. We worship for he is God alone. He is sorry. He is all loving, all merciful. And so here it is again, the fruit of the spirit. Because at the end, when we get to self-control in Galatians 5th chapter, verses 22 to 23, say, against this thing, there is no law. Think about, have you found a law when you went to someone and said, no love allowed? Have you found a law like anybody, if anybody been a place that no love allowed? 
We, we, it's very rare that you happy to say, I don't want love in my life. I just want nothing but hatred and beatdowns and, and, and anything cruel do to me, and I like it. No. We want love. We want gentleness. We want kindness. We want self-control. We want peace. We want joy. We want faithfulness. We want self-control. And how can we have it? By submitting to the Spirit. Again, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After he says, after he stood against the enemy three times, quoting what? Scripture. The enemy had to flee. Get away from me, Satan. You must worship the Lord your God alone. And what happened? Then he was ministered by the angels. I want you to understand that there's going to be times of weakness. There's going to be times of troubles in your life that you might not feel you have the strength to get it on. Catch catch this. That's all right. Because I think about Paul. Am I familiar with Paul? Remember, Paul had a thorn in his flesh and Three times he asked God to remove it from him, but God says that in your weakness, in your weakness, I make you strong. For my grace is sufficient. Sufficient means more than enough. That in your weakness, times that we find how strong our God is, is in times of our weakness. How can we be weak? We have to give ourselves away. We have to humble ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. We have to pick up our cross and follow after him. Follow after who? Follow after the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's seated at the right hand of his Father in majesty. After he poured out his blood for us, after he fed the thousand, after he's walked on water, turned water into wine, he he was crucified and died for us so that we might have a sustaining relationship with him and we will be able to see him when he comes back again and he's asking us to show some self. Control. Why? Because it's good for us. He knows what's best for us. Anybody believe that God is good? And if God is good, will he not make good decisions? Will he not make good choices? Will he not do what's best for you because he knows what's best for you? And that's why we love him. And that's why we serve him. And that's why we can quote, all things work together for the good of those who love him and work according to his purpose. Do you love him? Do you see him working in your life? And Cassius, that's why we like that song, I Won't Complain. I had some good days. I had some bad days. I had some hills to climb. But when I look it over, the good days outweigh the bad days. I won't complain. Anybody here realize that there's going to be some, some, some sad days. There's going to be some rough days. But we still serve a good God that I must trust him. I must obey him and goodness God glory hallelujah I will worship him so now is the time God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth is that you let us pray almighty God we surrender to you right now Lord 